0: And welcome to the Two Five O, the podcast where we're worried about the Earth. I'm Jonathan, and with me is my co-host Douglas, and our guest for today, Alex. How are you guys? I'm doing. Really I well. am
1: very <laughs> well. <laughs> I do it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew I was like, I'm going to wait for Alex and he can say something. And then I was like, we're both going to talk at the same time. And and lo and behold, I'm doing very well, Jonathan. Um,
2: (laughs) Okay, good. How are you, Alex? I am also doing very, very well. Happy to to be here on the 250 for the first time.
0: Yeah. How's it feel? How's it feel? Uh, How would you rate your experience so far? Oh, look, probably a solid 5 out of 7. It's been 2 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) A solid 2 out of 50. Um, If this is your first time tuning to the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've begun watching them from number 250 through to number 1. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 218, is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind.
1: An earth wracked by warring kingdoms, the Valley of the Wind remains one of the last peaceful strongholds, untouched by a deadly poison that stems from a jungle guarded by powerful insects. Led by Princess Nausicaa, the people of the valley engage in a battle to restore the bond between humanity and Earth.
0: Nausicaa is directed by Hayao Miyazaki, uh, who also wrote the original manga and screenplay. I did not realise there was a manga.
2: Yeah, right. Um, I, uh, Alex, did you know there was a manga? I did, um, and I believe it ran for quite a while. Um, you would. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking disgusting weeaboo. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it, I, I mean, I'm open to correction on this. I think it ran for like eight years. Wow. Um, Holy shit. And there's a lot of content in the manga that doesn't make it to the movie, but he used it to ideate and and partially storyboard the film
1: was written over a period of 12 years. Jesus.
2: There we go. Fuck.
1: Holy shit. Jonathan is the only person who hasn't seen uh, Nausicaa before. Alex and I both have previously. Uh, Again, as is the go with uh, Studio Ghibli films in particular here on the 250. I will say I have watched both the English and the Japanese um, versions of the film. So the Disney dub and the original version. Alex, which ones have you seen?
2: I've seen the original Japanese and the Disney dub. I have not seen uh, The Warriors
0: of the Wind, which I, uh, I kind of want to. Uh,
1: just to see what the fuck it's about.
0: I do want to talk about that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I um, I have only watched the dub, which I guess we can... Oh, wait, there's literally nothing stopping us We're talking about it now. I don't know. How do you guys rate the dub? Because I don't have a direct comparison, but it wasn't amazing. <laughs> I think after seeing some of the other non-Disney
2: dubs for for Ghibli films, coming back and seeing a Disney dub um, and being like, wow, this is so much better quality than the other dubs that are out there. So maybe that's not the best starting point.
1: I believe this dub was done very shortly after they'd done the dub for Spirited Away and one of the other Ghiblis. So they were kind of like, Disney had acquired the rights to be able to put dubs out for uh, Ghibli films. And then they were like, wait, since we got it and we just did a really good thing, we spirited away, let's cycle on back to, like, their first film and we'll do that one. Um, I was pretty blown away by the actual, the VO cast, like, who they actually managed to wrangle in. Um, yeah, was,
2: it's it's pretty shocking. Yeah,
1: fucking Patrick, <laughs> Patrick Stewart, I think, does a, a pretty superb job as a Lord Yuper. Um, mm. But... Uh, It's, you know, it's fine. Um, Shia LaBeouf, he's there.
2: Uh, Wait, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yep, he plays Asbel. Asbel, yeah, okay. That was.
1: He sounds Uh, very suspiciously like
2: Aladdin. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Mark Hamill, uh, who yep. is prolific, obviously, in the VO scene. Um, Uma Thurman?
1: Yeah, Uma Thurman
2: kicks yeah, ass. It's, I it's, like it's that. It's wild.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah again, like, it's a really cool bunch of people. So, um, But either way, it's, I think there's some very important lines that got missed in the Disney dub in the, the act of translation. There's one of my favourite lines that is apparently only in the Japanese version. Um, which we will go into more in spoilers, but it it does a good job. It's it, the film is still entertaining. It's not like oh no, look out! Like <laughs>
0: yeah. it's fine. It was not too bad. It was not too bad. I think I think the it was less the voices, although there was some. Say, I see. I that's the thing. I've like seen all the stuff people saying like it was a pretty good dub. And I was like. There was some stuff that really stood out to me. I wonder if I got like a shitty bootleg <laughs> version, or maybe I, you actually watched
1: Warrior of the Wind or whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was worried. I was worried. I had. I think the performances were mostly pretty good. It might have been the way they'd been kind of chopped up to fit the the animation, that that was kind of putting sure. me off a bit. When was the the two thousand five? Two
2: thousand five. Yeah. Yeah. Jinx. Okay. Um, it's right.
0: Well, I don't know that. Yeah,
1: I think there. I can. I can see where you're coming from. There's some moments where the voice doesn't quite match the expression. I think sometimes, and that can mm. be a little bit kind mm. of clashing. Whereas in more recent Studio Ghibli films, the the voice matches the expression pretty much bang on. Um, so yeah, it's I'm not sure whether that's just a sign of the time, but when the animation was done or what it is, but I can definitely see where you're coming from there, um, John.
0: And I think I think my other real kind of whinge with all the the VO stuff was, especially mostly very early on, um, it's kind of just expositioning through like Nausica saying stuff to herself that explains what's going on. Yes uh and you're just like that there's no reason for
1: her to talk like I, that. One of my first notes was, she sure does talk to herself a lot. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Which would be fine. Like, some people are just chatty when they're hanging out in the middle of nowhere, but it's like, wow, all oh, these spores. If I didn't have this mask on, I'd be dead in minutes. It's like, I figured, <laughs> I assumed that's why you were wearing the mask. <laughs> yeah.
1: it's, it, it gets a little bit on the nose, yeah.
2: I think a cool way to do it, if you're only going to watch it once, is actually watch it with the dubs, but you can like I, I cheated I've got Netflix and you can actually put the subs from the Japanese version on oh, right. so you can see what they would have been saying in the Japanese version I don't know how well it was translated <laughs> but I'm not going to spend you know 10,000 hours learning Japanese just to appreciate a film <laughs> it
1: sounds a bit I don't think you're dedicated to the cause Alex I'm fucking game I'll go and learn Ugh. Japanese <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's hit it
0: before the next before the next yeah. Ghibli film. We'll yeah, watch yeah. Japanese. I'll learn Japanese. All learn Japanese. I, I. Besides that, we kind of jumped straight into VO mm. land. But I thought it was very good. I thought it was extremely entertaining. It was a really, really nice kind of world they created. It's pr- pretty unique, especially when you consider that it was what eighty four. I, you know, con- considering that, I was like, oh wow, okay. If you put it against like modern stuff. You're like, I've seen a lot of these concepts before, but I think that's probably because they were inspired by Nausicaa or similar works, not the other way totally. around. So, I like, I like that a lot. Not mm. uh, to go into spoilers, mm. I, I want to talk more about the, the world mm. itself, but I'll start spoiling yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, because
2: it was only um, his second film, if I remember correctly. Like, I knew he'd done a bunch of shorts and had had worked on films before, but this was his second time directing, if I remember correctly. So, I think, like, when you're talking about some of the exposition, like, it's him kind of learning learning how to do the storytelling, but especially if you look at a lot of his other films, and Studio Ghibli in general, like, you can see... How Nausicaa has influenced the designs, the storytelling, the art style—it's yeah, it's hugely influential on the rest of his um,
0: collection, I guess. Yeah,
1: the filmography, absolutely. Mm.
0: Yes, even even after watching, this is only my second Ghibli film, and I'm like, I'm starting to put some trends together here already. <laughs>
1: you can yeah, you can pick out Miyazaki's work from a from a mile off. Um, just uh, I've been diving a little bit deeper into the English uh, VO cast. There's a couple of other diamonds in the rough that I feel like of um, some mentioning. Lestelle's mother is voiced by Jodie Benson, who voices Ariel in li- like Ariel in The Little Mermaid. That Ariel. That Ariel, as well as Barbie in Toy Story 3. Nice. <laughs> There's also Jeff Bennett, who is incredibly prolific in um, the voice acting field, well known for voicing Johnny Bravo, the, the cartoon nice. Johnny Bravo, <laughs> uh, Kowalski in Penguins of Madagascar, And Shiro Shinobi in Legend of Korra, amongst 500 other goddamn film credits. So, Mm. yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. And then uh, Chris Sarandon, who provided the voice of Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas. He plays uh, Kuratawa in uh, this. And I picked his voice right away. I was like, I've heard you. Where have I heard you? And Nightmare Before Christmas is, like, one of my favorite (laughs) Disney films, so... I was like, huh? (laughs) Wrong place! (laughs) (laughs) He's in, like, nothing else. He doesn't voice act in, like, anything else. So it was was very odd to hear. I mean, I don't think he does anyway, but... um, He voices Jack Skellington in the Kingdom Hearts (laughs) video game series. That doesn't count. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Mm. This is probably the least family-friendly I've ever seen Ghibli. I, I completely forgot how visceral... It is. There's. There is blood, um, and there's a lot of very confronting images with the insects and war itself and everything. It's all very stylistic and very Ghibli still, but it's probably the most. Yeah, war-centered, mm. I think I've seen Ghibli so far. I haven't seen um, Graveyard of the Fireflies, which is a
2: big, big anti-war Yeah, I was about, I was about to yeah, ask yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. in that. I think Princess Mononoke is also very confronting in that aspect, probably far more so than Massacre, yeah, yeah. but that's that's a conversation for, for yeah, another day. When we, when we we yeah, when we get, get, we to get, get there, to get that one. you just
1: bloody <laughs> hold your horses. Um, well, I mean, it's going to be like, what, another four years away. It's yeah. number 67, so... <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, uh, what, are we, what are we thinking, uh, fellas? Do we recommend this film, Alex? Do you recommend this film?
2: Absolutely, especially if you're into any form of any, any animated film. Mm. Um, I would always recommend any Ghibli film, but certainly before rewatching it, Nausicaa was my favorite Ghibli film. Not sure if that's still true, but it's still uh, just an incredible
0: film, hundred yep. percent. Jonathan? Uh, Not to spoil my deeper opinions on this one, but yes, I would also recommend it. I don't want to say anything. It was good. Was, don't mm-hmm. want
1: to say it doesn't want to, it just was good. Um, yes, I would naturally also recommend Ghibli's Gets two, two
0: Michelin stars from me. Two Michelin stars.
1: I always recommend Ghibli's work. There's, there hasn't been a single Ghibli film that I've watched that I've gone, well, that's a bit poo poo. And I think that runs for pretty much most people who have seen Ghibli films. I think I, maybe like 75, 60% of Studio Ghibli's filmography is in the 250. It's so a lot of it, yeah that's all uh, there's a lot of films of uh, ghibli in the 250 so if that's any track record then uh, if you want to go by the general populace then i'm sure you will enjoy nausicaa of the valley of the wind just a quick little thing before we go into spoilers at the time of recording it's jonathan's birthday was a but yeah happy birthday Thanks, man. Happy
2: birthday, Jonathan.
0: Happy birthday, Jonathan. We're not gonna actually. We're not actually gonna say what my my actual birthday is since this is going on to the internet. But you you know how mm-hmm. you know how about a week, and you can work it out from there. <laughs> <laughs> Which,
1: you got a one in seven chance. <laughs>
0: I had a good birthday, I hung out with parentals. Oh, that's good. I got a I got a I got a pasta roller attachment for my Kenwood and I'm gonna once we've done this I'm gonna go make oh, wow. some pasta. I'm so fucking Ooh. excited. Ooh. Yeah. Those things are expensive. It's dumb. Yeah, pasta rollers, Kenwood attachments, really? like 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 uh, stand mixer okay. attachments. Mm. They they fu- mm. like fucking out. Anyway, nothing says film critique quite like the discussing <laughs> of Kenwood pasta roller <laughs> attachments.
1: <laughs> well, let's um, uh, party party blower spoiler horn. For where did, where did we
0: want to start? Do we want to start at the tippy top. Um. So, did any of us watch it again in Japanese? Can make a comment on how they feel the dub was compared to the sub, or no? Did we I, all watch the dub? The
2: first time I watched it, I watched the 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 sub, and mm. that was years ago. Um, and I, when I rewatched it for this, I watched the dub and. I don't know, I feel like there's a little bit lost in translation, but again I don't speak Japanese, so it's hard right. to, to comment on the subtitles.
0: Right. The the one the one kicker there is that uh, and this is the thing with Lapoteur as well, how when they get redubbed by fucking Disney who has like no shortage of uh other musical stuff. Uh big fucking, you know, group of foley artists and that kind of shit. The the I think the audio the non-VO audio was a bit nicer for Lapita. Mm. so mm. It would be nice if we knew that. But since no one appears to have rewatched it in Japanese,
1: well, well, I, I watched it in Japanese relatively recently. Okay, uh, I've yeah, seen both versions relatively recently. Um and yeah, I are you asking whether there was the foley was well, yeah different? Yeah, I don't think so. From okay. memory, okay, I think it was about. Well, I'm the one thing I'm very glad about is they didn't fuck with Joe Hisaishi's score. They didn't try and remaster it or anything. They just they kept it as is because fucking Hisaishi is mm, muy bellissimo Like fucking with that first, like literally within like the first ten minutes, and you get that. Big Hisaishi, like strings, just orchestral. Ah, piano. wow but <laughs> Chef's kiss, I love it. But uh, the I did say in the uh, the prequel, there's a one line that got lost in translation between the Disney dub and the Japanese version. The sub was, uh, I believe, it's Nausicaa who says it. Um, she says, "I can't ask your forgiveness. It's too cruel." And I think that's like a super fucking powerful line. Like that one hits me like right in the fucking gahoonies. It's so like. Uh, the empathy that there is for for that statement is yeah I don't know it, it hits me hard. Mm. She's got
0: a very and once once again my my poor Ghibli knowledge is gonna show very strongly here, but she has a much more a much stronger character I guess a much more defined character than. Um, Lapita's La- Sh- L- I- I've that you've the name already of- forgotten I've got forgot the name I of every character in that leave film I can't believe you Jonathan
1: so. as I say
2: as I go to google the Lapita <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's obviously
2: uh, Princess Sheeta is- Sheeta that's thank it thank you yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah she she was not not a weak character but um, uh, fucking Nausicaa has a very defined like strong character mm. traits that drive the film a lot more than Chita, uh sort well, of Well, I stand
1: by the notion that Miyazaki definitely knows how to write female protagonists. Like, it, it, all of the Ghibli films that have a female protagonist in them are it, all killer, no filler, not a single one misses. Mm. They're extremely well-written, very dedicated to their core fundamentals of, like, their personality traits and who they are. Again, this is... Three white gentlemen talking about how ladies should be written. This is, you know, (laughs) uh, perhaps not the best people to be for it to be coming from. But I personally, I think they're written very well. And I think Norska as a character is, while there's a lot, there's a lot of lore to learn about this film, which is probably more so than most other Ghibli films. You really do have to be listening and paying attention to picking up bits and pieces on Nausicaa's history as well as the history of the land and the kingdoms and the conflict and everything. Mm. Yeah, Nausicaa remains as, like, a good through line for the whole film to be like, she is just Nausicaa. She's just
2: so nice. I find there's a lot of, um, like, maybe visual storytelling is not the right uh, visual character like explaining her so like when when just after she's first introduced and she rescues Lord Yuper and you can see her interacting with all the villagers and I, that gives a very like grounded sense of, of her character especially in a a post-apocalyptic environment you know even though she's a princess technically she works very hard and she does equal mm. or more than the amount of work that she needs to do.
1: She doesn't see herself above the villagers or anything. She's Yeah,
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Miyazaki is just very good at writing, you know, grounded characters, especially grounded female characters. Mm. And when you consider this movie was 1984, and in animation you, like, there's a lot of very specific tropes in Japanese animation regarding uh, its female characters. And it's like Miyazaki is one of the people that has always transcended those tropes.
1: Yep, big time. Mm. Um, Mm. I think coming on to that visual storytelling, Alex kind of bouncing off that, the bit that hit me very hard was the bit where she's trying to stop the baby Ohm from crossing into like the acid lake, and she's kind of stopping it at the front and then her foot gets burnt in the acid and then that's when the baby Ohm stops is when her foot gets burnt and then she kind of you know claps on the ground and then it's like the little uh, what are they the little orange tentacly things come out <laughs> Yeah, little,
2: <laughs> Wikipedia woobly-woos. calls them tentacles the little avatar sex tentacles the little, uh, t- little,
1: little <laughs> woobly woos come out and then I for me that's like you can't understand forgiveness unless you've like swallowed injustice if that makes any sense so like you need to be on the same kind of wavelength before you can forgive if that makes any sense and that again ties back into my I can't ask your forgiveness because it's too cruel she needs to have burnt her foot before the ohm can forgive her or her people because then they're on the same wavelength the, to have suffered people... the
2: same way um, exactly. that the have suffered. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Should the, her people made the Ohm suffer, and then the Ohm has, in turn, made her suffer, and then, boom, they're on the same wavelength, and then that means that there is a, a level ground of which for them to actually, you know, mm. uh, I guess, forgive one another and come to terms. I don't know, that might be me reading way too much into things, but that's, yeah, I thought that was a very powerful moment. I mean, that's jumping, like, way ahead in the story, but, yeah.
0: Very, very selfless character, I guess, which is... Yeah. And, you know, the whole... The environmental aspect of the story is is a pretty strong thing Mm. as well. It's framed differently than a lot of environmental discourse is in the real world, the planet Mm. Earth, but it's basically this idea of, like, humanity fighting against... You know what the planet is trying mm. to do compared to what kind of kind of links in with yeah I that uh, the, the those the, ideals the of the film. yeah
1: I think I will say I'm not sure whether you guys found this as well but it there's a very specific moment where it's the film or I guess the the English dub Matt, I can't remember whether it's done better in the Japanese. Um, version or not but Alison uh, Lohman absolutely selling the message of the film through dialogue it's like who would do this to the earth who would pollute all these soils and I'm like I get it oh jeez we did it bad we know
0: it's all coming together yeah no yeah yeah it's quite nice
1: it's very like on the nose and I was like alright I can see where you're coming from and you want us to feel bad we do feel bad fucking just maybe pump the brakes a little bit (laughs) kiddo
0: I do indeed feel bad thank you for uh...
1: it it wasn't very subtle like it was just it was just very like you know who would pollute the earth like a fucking Dora the Explorer <laughs> episode or something? And then she like fourth wall breaks, like stares into the
0: <laughs> fucking camera or whatever. Could be could be a translation thing as well. That might have been a little more sure. subtle in uh, the Japanese version.
1: Mm. In the yeah original um tongue uh, tying back into um uh, visuals mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. What did you guys think of the whole the the blend of like medieval and industrialism like the night outfits with like ak-47s and like carbine rifles and shit like that i thought that was really cool
2: i was a a huge fan. And, and again, you see that kind of aesthetic reflected in a lot of Miyazaki films. Um, Lapita being one.
1: Lapita big it's, time, yeah. yeah.
2: Huge, huge time. Um, I guess it makes sense, especially considering the context of like, you know, a thousand years after the apocalypse. It's mm. almost like post, mm. post-apocalypse of what technology humanity still has and a semi-regression to feudalist like a little communities it it, it yeah. makes sense
1: i think uh the community regard i think both laputa and nausicaa as diesel punk i think that's it's like its own brand of it's not yeah. quite steampunk it's not quite i don't know something else it's diesel it's like punk. it's like <laughs> grimier
0: it's grimier <laughs> steampunk basically yeah yeah uh, yeah totally the kind of like old train aesthetic and and kind of patching things together with bent metal and stuff like that mm-hmm
1: yeah, and like tanks and shit mm. like that. Like, I feel like tanks, like the ones that are in Nausicaa, wouldn't have a place in a steampunk setting. Probably not. No. I mean, the closest thing that I can relate to right now is uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Not the entire film itself, but the castle as like a thing. The Alex castle, the, the castle that Howl owns. Can- yes. Howl's castle. Wait, has <laughs> have John hasn't seen yeah. Howl's Moving Castle, so?
2: um uh, is coal is coal punk a thing or is that just steampunk um yeah. <laughs> i think we're getting the weeds here
1: <laughs> i was gonna say yeah we might be we might be uh, yeah ugh. but
2: i i agree with you on the diesel punk but then like you look at her glider which is like i don't know some it
0: almost looks futuristic mm. the valleys their gunship as well is is pretty slick looking mm. there, there's there's some variants there because the um the pegites. Have a different yes. a different technological well they've got a completely different aesthetic mm. in general, but their technological aesthetic is a bit sleeker and you know they I think they're maybe trying to do that to somewhat make them kind of subconsciously feel better than the Tolmekians, uh because the the Tolmekians just have these like bloated bulbous looking berry very classically diesel punk vehicles. Mm. Well,
1: I think we don't see too much... Because, I mean, the Pedgite city is all kaput. Yeah. And it's in, like, the desert. So we don't see too much of, like, the actual Pegite, um I guess, lifestyle as much as we do of, like, the Tolmekians And, like, Tolmekians for me come across as very, you know, arrogant and very... Uh, or arrogant and elegant, I guess and that ties into that whole medieval mm. atmosphere of like royalty and things like that which is where their medieval suits of armor and everything like that kind of matching very well. Um and then yeah the uh, the Pegites have more of a sandy deserty middle, middle eastern
0: of... inspired aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that the clothing kind of have the um, same tro- yeah. kind of effect.
1: Totally, totally and I really liked that. I thought that was really cool to kind of have those two different Cultures, I guess, kind of mishmashing against. Each- I'm making hand motions. No one can see. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I yeah. I don't know. I, I this is this is just in the weeds. But I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to move on until I um get it, till out. I get it out. The I don't know how they. Stole the embryo thing in those ships, and then when the the prince of the the Pegites shows up, he takes down like three or he takes down all of them with his little dinky like fighter plane. How did he? I feel I feel mm. like I'm I I don't want to pull a fucking cinema sins, but I feel like that was that took me out of it a bit. <laughs> it is a little bit bullshit. I will say the um the one bit that I found very cool, which is
1: obviously Miyazaki's history with war in that segment, is he dives in from the sun, mm. so he positions himself so that he knows that if they look up, they'll see the sun, which is an old uh, dogfight tactic um, that was you know obviously used in like World War Two. Yeah. Um, which is fucking sweet. I love that. That's very, you know, Miyazaki-esque kind of... He had a big fascination for planes, and that's obviously very obvious. I mean, uh, fucking people have said this 10 bajillion times. Um, in all of the Ghibli films, he's had a massive thing for planes and aeronautics, and that, yeah, that very tiny little detail I thought was very cool. But that being said, it is completely bullshit <laughs> that he just, like, <laughs> ducks down between one of them, gives them, like, a little... Brrrr, and then the
0: whole fucking shit yeah, it just yeah, goes... goes down. Kapush. Which they got yeah. one mm. of the characters is like these things are really fragile or something is what he says and it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> yeah. Someone said it. <laughs> the quick nod to yes, this does feel a
2: little, a little, yeah. a little bit yeah, bullshit. Try it. Yeah, but also because they they talk about none of their airships are big enough to move the embryo out of. Um, uh, the valley, but mm. like, well, you got it from Pegite yeah. to the valley, <laughs> and <laughs> so, and like you'd saying that Pedja is hours away. But I mean, I feel like I, I'm. It's like almost nitpicking yeah, it at this point, yeah.
0: which is you know, it's it's fine, it's ignorable, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I would have yeah. if it yeah. had been me. I would have roped the embryo up and had all four ships carry it at once. But. You know, I'm just a little... But then
1: what if one ship goes down, Jonathan? Then you're completely fucked.
0: Well, they were all rooted anyway, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: They
0: would have dropped the thing in the ocean and the film would be over and everything would be cool. Oh, I guess
1: so, yeah. (laughs) Cool, fucking uh, just send it. That's the film. Roll credits.
2: (laughs) 20 minutes in. Done. All right. Cool. Thanks. Mm. It's a Ghibli short. (laughs) (laughs) When you really want to save money on uh, animating
1: frames. yeah, Just fuck off off the script.
0: <laughs> I feel like actually when you, when you mentioned that I feel like there were less really intricate animation moments than than Laputa. Mm. I think there was probably a lot of time spent with the the insects and they may have had to like simplify a lot of the other uh animation but there was there was the classic uh, you know, he's like two or three repeating frames and the camera pans across. Like, it's just someone standing there or a, a lot of really simple stuff. Um, and mm, there, there was, you know, still no shortage of kind of fun, intricate animation. But there was less than we see I in the later s- films, I think. was
1: surprised by the some of the fight animation. Like, the actual, you know, sword clashing. Oh, and- yeah. All that kind of stuff. I thought that was actually really superb where Nausica like loses her shit um when the king dies and she just starts going on a fucking rampage against those knights. I was like I was here for it. I was like, Nausica kills everyone, let's do it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um I thought, yeah, all the animation in that was superb. And then I completely forgot how much I love just aesthetically the studio Ghibli run like oh, i'm yeah. sure you guys you know what i mean like the just how they make their characters run is very ghibli i i don't know how else to explain it but it's yeah. just so very them how like their legs move and then like how they put their arms and stuff it's very um very crisp and very smoothly animated and i
2: love it yeah i 100 agree I'm, I'm actually really curious because um it wasn't this is was- pre-Ghibli. Mm, oh, so yeah. The success of Nausicaa mm. uh, enabled them to establish the studio itself. And uh, it was contracted out to just, like, animators. Yeah. And they got paid per frame. So, uh, and, and I know, like, uh, and we can discuss this later, is, like, if you look at the list of animators that were involved and then they went on to do some really, really amazing stuff. So, uh, I'm always curious as to how much the manga... Influenced the animators, and then that animation influenced uh, Miyazaki's, and the rest of the Ghibli's, rest of the Ghibli yeah work. Ghibli franchise totally Blade franchise the line, yeah. filmography mm. yeah. I not
0: yeah. really thought about that.
1: Mm, that is yeah. Mm. Alex already bringing way more insightful things <laughs> than Jonathan and I could ever bring to the podcast.
0: <laughs> I'm mean, really glad we have Alex on here.
1: <laughs> really, really giving us a run for our money here. Uh, I will, uh, again talking about visuals and things like that token cute ghibli animal yep. creature perfect tito fox squirrel 5000% here for it give uh, buy out the stock give me all the plushies i want them all <laughs>
0: There's got to be a lot of plushies for it, surely. This feels old enough.
1: Give me, give me one where I can like squeeze his tummy and then he makes like the little like chittery noise or whatever <laughs> it is. That he makes, and one where he, like hisses at me or something. Fucking, I love it. So good.
0: Um, I I love the the kind of the insects. Uh, well, I mean they're still. I mean they're insects, so they're pretty gross. Uh, but the way that they, you know, initially frame them to be like really creepy and gross but by the end by the time you get to the end of the film you're like oh they're nice like right at the the conclusion when they're like panning across them and like oh they're just hanging out they're yeah just being cool. when, when all the
1: ohms stop like rampaging and mm. stuff and they're just they're all blue-eyed and just kind of hanging out yeah they are they're very yeah it's uh this gets me a lot with ghibli films is they make you empathize with things that you like across a film you initially get the view of a creature or a person, and you initially go, "Oh, that's fucking gross. I hate that." And then you get to the end of the film, and you go, "I, I just, I love you so much. Just don't. I just, you're
2: so precious."
0: <laughs> Give me um, an own plushie. <laughs> yeah,
2: straight up. Ugh, I don't know how he does it. It's so good. He's very good at making you empathise with things that you yeah. don't. And and that extends to all the characters, like even yeah. the the antagonist antagonist yeah. of the film, like Kushana. Yeah. Yeah, like just... as 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 awful as she is at the end of the film, you're
0: like, Ugh, yeah, like I kind of I kind of I get, kinda get where you're it.
1: Coming from babes, yeah, mm.
0: yeah. I who's the um the swordsman guy with the Tolmechians? Who's he again? Kuratawa. Holy shit! <laughs> he's so funny. He's I think he's so my good. favorite character. He's like he's like permanently <laughs> like diagonal smirk smile. It's like um uh oh this is another anime. Fuck um. <laughs> i adored him and he was just like yeah. really kind of goofy and like a nice comedic it's a good sense of uh levity
1: to um to uma thurman's character absolutely and the bit i like the bit where she comes back and he's kind of like well that was G- good while it lasted that didn't or last very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it so good voice uh yeah again voiced by chris sarandon who voiced um jack skellington yeah that makes a lot of sense he, yeah very, very, very good performance. Um, he brings a lot of, yeah, a lot of well-needed lightness to the Tolmecian side. Because I feel like if it was just um, Kushana, mm. it would have been very rough to empathize with the Tolmykians. But having Kuratawa there, you you're not always against them because Kuratawa is there. And then when you do get to learn more about Kushana, then you eventually go, oh, they're all okay. You know, the, the, the
0: tobikins, they're not half bad. It's interesting that I like him as a character because he's kind of a dick. Oh,
1: absolutely. But... <laughs> He's, he's a charming dick. <laughs> he's a charming dick.
2: He's <laughs> 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 got that, like, cynical old soldier I've seen. I've been around the world, mm. I've seen it all, and I'm happy to kind of crack wise yeah, about it.
1: Yeah, he's like Lieutenant um, of the vibe. General, and he's kind of just, yeah. He's fi- He's checked out. He looked like he was ready to <laughs> die, like, whenever.
0: <laughs> Dude was just hanging out. I, I think, um, I, I wish, well, no, I think the villager characters are all super likable. I think you, I, I mean, it's. I feel like it's not that hard to kind of, you know, create likable characters out of that. Just hmm. you kind of hardworking villager types that are all helping each other out and stuff. It's similar to the villagers at the start of Lapita who help to, um, you know, save Shida. She's like getting chased down by the dudes whose names I forget, <laughs> and you, you, you've mentioned the the other princess as well and we've talked about I, everyone's names is asbel everyone's fucking names is just not coming to me
1: <laughs> they're just completely gone in jonathan's mind i need to write i need
0: to write more name lists <laughs> <laughs> i used to i used to do that in the notes and we now did. it's just like <laughs> we
1: did yeah we, we should Fuck it. we haven't talked about the what is it the god warrior um, mm. The the animation of the God Warrior, I mean, again, very milk toast um, opinion, but it gave me some very Attack on Titan vibes, very like Shingeki no Kyojin, gigantic lumbering beast kind of uh, like not fully there, you know, like, not fully materialized. Mm. That was very, like, Attack on Titan-esque for me, Shingeki no Kyoji.
0: <laughs> I would argue Evangelion is probably a better... Well, uh, which mm, is, we have uh, some shit
1: in the tribute for yeah. you, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. shit. <laughs> this is not a surprise <laughs> to me
0: in the slide. It's that there's a connection there. <laughs> it's a great look, and it's just the, like... The, like a meat coming off of him. Mm. And the um the classic, la- the, the the thing that will never get old in anime is the like, shoots a laser line, like across the horizon. And it goes, and then there's nothing for a second. And then the explosions go, boom, goes, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> boom. Yeah. You know, like, that <laughs> yeah. is always great. And I always adore yeah. that shit. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know if there was that kind of concept had come up before it uh, in other kind of animated things, but it feels like somewhat of a first for anime film to have mm. that kind of demented mutated giant humanoid creature thing i i, I super like that i wish it had got a bit more time <laughs> but it kind of makes sense given that it was comparative to other ghibli stuff a bit lower budget and is also a ghibli film so a yeah, big, yeah. A big, you know Massive monster creature fight is probably not on brand. Yeah. Well,
1: again, like, it's so. The film is so gnarly that, like, there's. I still don't think that this was pitched towards kids. I don't think the demographic that they were going for is kids because I feel like if I was a kid and I watched this shit, I would have fucking nightmares about the Ohm picking me up <laughs> with their little orange tentacly things and strangling me for weeks. Um, so, I just. Yeah. It, I. Then, if it's not marketed to kids then that must mean it's either marketed to young adults and adults
0: so I think you could put it off as like a you know like teenager type target audience I think that's sure. totally consistent sure.
1: and well I I thought uh, having watched it and uh, as you said Jonathan this came out in 1984 my brain then immediately went when did Akira come out and that was 1988 so that was four years after um had actually released so I was like well then there's no like connection between like Nausicaa going oh maybe we should be delving into like the this kind of body horror weird shit <laughs> it was just like they were just they were doing their own thing they were happily like it, yeah i don't know it's such a weird blend uh,
2: uh, i think it's also a cultural thing in in japan animation was never seen and and as something mm. for children it was just another medium to, to to tell stories whereas for a long time in well the west that an- animated shows were always kind still of perceived is. as kids still shows is. for cartoons um but uh, yeah and it still is but there was never any of those hang-ups in mm. in japan so it really spreads the whole gamut of you know stuff for toddlers all the way through to young adults you know, yeah more, Absolutely.
1: even more graphic stuff. I, yeah, um, because I we talked about it before with the Akira episode. There was a big economic boom in the 80s in Japan. There was all this fucking money. And I was just like, what do we do with it? So then the Japanese animators just went, hey, fuck it, let's make a bunch of really fucking good anime um, from like literally the 80s all the way through to the early noughties. So that's why there is such a great quality of animation. It's just because they had all this fucking money just... Blasting around. around,
2: yeah, yeah. Even the four years between Nausicaa and, and Akira, you can see huge absolutely. leaps in animation mm. in just that amount of time. And I don't know how much is the budget uh, of the two films, but it's yeah, it's incredible to see the progress. And and if maybe I would have a better view of that, especially if I sat down and I watched all the Miyazaki films from all his the first way one to his, to, his most yeah, recent,
1: yeah, the last one, absolutely. I um there's still yeah there's little gaps and holes in my Ghibli knowledge as I say Graveyard of the Fireflies is one of them just because I know it's very depressing <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like you're really got to be
0: in a bit of a schmoo to watch uh, Graveyard of the Fireflies Hundred, uh, a billion yen is oh that's about 10 million USD isn't it uh,
2: yeah take yeah,
0: take two yeah. zeros off so Akira will- had about 10 times the budget that Norsica did somewhat wow. somewhere in that range given that given that they came out about the same time um, it's probably kind of a s- similar ratio um, Bull, I don't know I don't yeah. know how good the yen was doing back then so maybe it's a bit different but anyway Nors- mm. IMDB says Norsica was about a million dollars and Akira was about a billion 1.1 1. 1 billion yen so I wonder Something if that's like adjusted
1: that. for inflation as well.
0: Uh, that is an excellent question, and I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Akira um, Akira definitely had more impressive animation than mm. than Nausicaa did. Mm. It's there there's a lot more complexity going on there, which you know is what it is. I guess the story mm. of Nausicaa is still very good, and that should have a pretty good bearing on the quality of the film Mm. i think with anime especially i think the quality of the animation is still something that needs to be taken into account if you're gonna Mm. i don't know uh, uh, this is this is why we're not like reviewing these films (laughs) really (laughs) because it's like how do you objectively i mean obviously subjectively but how do you like grade that against one another when taking into account all the other factors that's going on it's
2: Mm. Time budget time since. like I mean Nausicaa is nearly forty years old now yeah yeah film with
0: real actors a lot of you know the the disparity you get in budget and like quality is not quite as big if you're if you kind of understand lighting if you're doing creative videography you can have pretty budget film that will stand up there with a very high budget film with you know about the same level of quality but just objectively if you have less money you can you can't buy as many frames (laughs) yeah so yeah and you know dedicate money to very complex uh, animation i guess so Mm. it's weird I would
1: like to dive more into Eastern animation around this time period because fucking I love Akira. Akira is like easily in my top 10. I love Nausicaa and I would love to see more of like what other studios were doing. I'm sure there's because, again, there was the economic boom. So I'm sure there were so many other studios out there that were creating animation in the East. And I would love to see um, other... Films that were around this period, from like eighties to like late nineties. Um, if you if you'd like to send something to the two five zero, that'd be cool. We can hang around to the end of the podcast, and you can find out how to send us things. That would be awesome <laughs> if you do know.
0: I feel like the only the only anime films you ever hear about are, are the Ghibli films or the uh, the studio that did uh, Your Name and Gun of Words. I, I feel yeah. like I feel like I haven't heard any other ones. I know they're out there. I've got some. In a notepad somewhere, but <laughs>
1: you hear about anime TV shows, but you don't hear so much about anime films outside yeah. of yeah those two companies. So yeah, I'd be very interested to see what um, uh, the rest of it is about in that period. Mm. It's very I've cool. got
0: I've got a, a I'll, I'll try and hunt it down again. I got this great oh. two parter series. It's this kind of like uh, like near future cyberpunk story, and the story was that the studio really wanted to do a little, you know, yeah, cyberpunk animation, but they couldn't get funding for it.
1: Oh, yes, yes, you told me about this.
0: So they they said, oh, we're going to advertise it as a hentai. (laughs) and then make this oh yes I feel like we had this conversation recently we have yeah they're 22 minute episodes and it is it's 20 minutes of just amazing animation and like really cool characters and stuff and then right at the end there's a 2 minute dream sequence sex scene there's like a (laughs) remastered version that just cuts that out and it's like oh this is fucking great but they totally got away with getting the funding just by going like it's a hentai we promise it's it's totally
1: a porn we promise (laughs) we're we're right we're, we're drawing it we're, there's boobs. We're there drawing
0: is, them. It's like you, you, like when you're like trying to look like you're doing work, and every time <laughs> your supervisor something. comes <laughs> comes around the corner, you're like, "Oh no, this!" I'm just imagining them going like they're working on the mainframes of the animation, and every time their <laughs> boss comes around the corner, they just alt tab back to the screen with the boobs. <laughs> <on it>. Boobs. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that's. Anyway, super. that's not even
0: a film. I kind of just wanted to talk about that because yeah, I find well, it hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: think talking about that, I I should totally um and where we're about to go into, I should watch Evangelion, um the Evangelion films. Have you not a, seen? No, I haven't seen the TV series oh.
2: nor the films. So you're in you're in for a treat, and
1: I, and they're all mm. on Netflix.
0: Yeah, as well. Yeah, which is superb. Australian Netflix. Part four is about to come out. Yes.
1: I thought it was still filming.
0: Well, I mean, about ish to come out. It was supposed to come Isn't out this it- year.
1: Doesn't it have some weird Kingdom Hearts esque name? Like it's like three plus one or whatever? It's three plus one. All yes. the films have had <laughs> dumb
0: all the films have had dumb ones. They've been they've been one point one, two point two and three point three. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Evangelion four <laughs> is obviously gonna be called Evangelion three point one point because mm-hmm. Thrice upon a time, as it is. Oh, yes, it's fucking. Dumb. You've heard
1: of once upon a time in the West. Have you heard about the trilogy? <laughs> Thrice
2: <laughs> upon a time in the West.
0: What is the studio <laughs> that did your name? I can't find it. Comics Wave Films is that what it is? Maybe it is. I wouldn't be able to tell. Oh, you.
2: Apparently, uh, three was scheduled for release earlier oh, this year, but COVID, yeah, obviously uh, yeah, delayed it. Yeah.
1: yeah, kicked it in the kicked it in the pants. Um, Alex, hello. Do you have some trivia
0: for Wait, us today? I
1: wanted to talk about music. Wait, no! Right. Oh, you want to talk about music? Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, Hazashi. All right, go ahead. Talk <laughs> about Hazashi.
0: I thought it was really interesting. There was a lot of variety.
1: Oh, yeah, you would have been super down for it because there's all these funky, weird it's synths all, and shit that's it's in all there. all
0: over the place. I I wrote... the Yeah, the opening reminded me a lot of the Final Fantasy, like, inspired soundtrack type thing. And then... The music When she's like Exploring Reminded me a lot of um, Solar Fields Who's like a Kind of electro He did the, mu- the music For Mirror's Edge ah. Everything seemed to have A different kind of Theme to it It was really really weird But it was cool It was interesting <laughs>
1: It's very gnarly, like, a lot of, uh, there's obviously, like, the big Hisaishi full orchestra piano-y bits, which are the bits that my heart oozes for, but then, (laughs) yeah, a lot of the, yeah, the funky, like, synth ones where my, yeah, I remember (laughs) listening to it, I was like, oh, I I like it, I'm here for it, but it's also very, like, whoa.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's very 80s. Yeah, Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, that's probably the best (laughs) way to put it. Um, to summarise it. I, I think mm-hmm. Laputa had more of a consistent theme to the music all the way through, whereas this was very varied. And I think I think I would have liked more consistently, consistency, but I did still enjoy the music they I had. I
1: believe Laputa, the English dub for Laputa, got remastered. Yes, so I the, believe you're right. So the orchestra was remastered, which, yeah, would have... Uh, I think, yeah, I remember people got upset over about it being remastered so maybe i'm not sure what the timeline was for whether the castle in the sky dub was done before or after um it was remastered
0: off of the same tracks though wasn't it it was they've they've taken the existing track and they've done it with an orchestra whereas it used to be with synths whereas this was it's not changing the theme of the music per se
1: Okay, English Disney dub was done in 2003. Yeah. By what I'm reading here. Um, That's your your Mark Hamill, Jim Cummings, that shenanigan. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that about checks out. Interesting. Interesting that, yeah, they would have done that and then maybe there was the backlash from the community of them remastering the orchestra and then for
0: Nausicaa they were like
1: alright we're not going to touch it Fucking have fun listening to (laughs) Slashy's Crazy Synths Um, I
0: I, I don't know I really liked the the English dub version of Lipita the Disney the Disney music for Lipita so yeah I don't think there's anything wrong either way
1: I think they're both very well done in their own
2: uh, special little ways hmm right. (laughs) Alex. <laughs> Alex! <laughs> Hello, again. What are, uh, at Trivia. Um, mm-hmm. All right. What do you got? So, we were talking about animation earlier, and I don't know how, how familiar uh, your listeners are with the process of animation, but this whole film was done in nine months. Which is fucked. Which is just an insanely quick thing, because especially in Ghibli films, every single frame is hand-drawn. Mm. Um, so, being able to do, you know, 12 frames a second over, whatever, an hour and 21 minutes...
0: Is it's Fucked. a lot of frames. It's just, this is this is pre tweening anyway. We uh yeah. the technology wasn't around for that kind of modern smoothing techniques.
1: Uh riding off of that there were fifty six thousand seventy eight traditional animated cells in the film.
2: Yeah, that's it's quite a few. Yeah. And yeah, and, and based on the success of the film, it enabled Miyazaki to establish Studio Ghibli. So we keep saying it's a Ghibli film and, yeah. and it's considered to be a Ghibli film. But uh, Nausicaa really kind of laid the template for Studio Ghibli and, and its future films. And, you know, we've talked about, uh, like, Douglas, obviously big fan of Joe Hisashi. And this was the first time um, Miyazaki worked with him. And I think he's worked with him on every single one of his films since.
1: I Yeah, I can um, vouch for that. I think from yeah, what my reading has dug up, I yeah came up with the exact same thing as uh, she has. Yeah, fucking from Howl's Moon Castle, Morinoké, Totoro, Kiki, Spirited Away, Ponyo, fucking Porco Rosso, he's done it all.
2: Yep. He's he's worked on it all, and and even looking at that, like if you go down the rabbit hole of who did what in the film, it's really who's who of huge names in Japanese animation these days. You know, referenced Evangelion. Uh, Shinzi Higuchi um, was one of the storyboard artists for Evangelion, um, and he worked on this. and There's actually a live action short that came out recently of the original apocalypse in the uh, Nausicaa universe um, that he directed. So you can see there's this influence that it's had on animation and design, especially fantasy design in Japanese culture over the last 30, 40 years. The, even the um, little bird friends, what are they called? The horse, horse claws. claws. Yeah. Um, uh, it's rumored that they were part of the... Influenced the original design of the Chocobos from Final Fantasy. Yeah. If you look at the God Warriors, uh, they've influenced designs all the way through Japanese media. It's rumored that even the first boss in Demon Souls was partially influenced <laughs> by its design. <laughs> You can trace the elements of, like, the industrial uh, diesel punk stuff through to games, other Miyazaki films. The first time I saw The Tanks in it, it reminds me, reminded me of The Tanks, in uh, an old game called Metal Slug. Which yeah. I'm not sure if anyone here has played. yeah. Yeah, and and one of my favorite stories that kind of stems from this is when the movie... We've referenced we referenced it a little bit at the start of the podcast, but when this movie was first imported into the States, it was heavily edited into a film called warriors of the winds there were huge cuts made uh they reduced um nausicaa's parts and it became more of a traditional humans fight evil bugs kind of movie and miyazaki was obviously very unimpressed with this and when castle in the sky was going to be distributed in the west and and he was uh, negotiating with harvey weinstein At the time, Weinstein wanted to make cuts and uh, famously Toshio Suzuki, a producer from the studio, sent a katana to Weinstein (laughs) and the note simply said, no cuts. (laughs) And since then, it's been in all the Ghibli contracts that no cuts can be made to their films. Um, yep. In redistribution, and Disney has honoured that since.
0: Yeah, which fucking good on. What a what a ballsy way to make that message. What an expensive <laughs> yeah. way right. to make
2: that message.
1: Right, uh, writing off of some of that. Yeah, it was um when it was Harvey Weinstein who approached him for Mononoke, Princess Mononoke. There we go. Um, the distribution of that, and then insisted on a very similarly heavily cut version of the film, uh, Miyazaki fucked off out of the meeting and then several days later the Suzuki arrived with a katana sword to Weinstein's office and yeah, no cuts was embedded into the fucking blade. And then naturally it was released later with uncut. Um <laughs> and uh then in a later interview Miyazaki commented on the incident by smiling and stating, quote, I defeated him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miyazaki. <laughs> uh, oh. My boy, I Miyazaki
2: love not taking any of Weinstein's bullshit all the way uh, back in the uh 90s. Hmm. Uh, but
1: yeah, Disney owned the rights to all of Miyazaki's movies except for Lupin the 3rd Castle of Cagliostro.
0: So... Lupin the 3rd. That was the that was the mm. fucking character I was thinking of when I the the kind of general character Oh, Kurotawa oh. character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: That was before uh Yeah, Lupin the Third is before, again, before Nausicaa. That's 1979, so... Similar vibe. Yeah, about, yeah, what is it, five years earlier. Mm. Um, uh, Yeah, in fact, yeah, Alex covered on pretty much everything that I was going to (laughs) talk about. um, Beyond, uh, Nausicaa is the name of the princess in Homer's Odyssey, and means Burner of Ships, and Miyazaki also listed Frank Herbert's Dune as a source of inspiration for the film, which... Oh, yeah. bing, I was wondering... bing, 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 of course, yeah. all the desert and shit, absolutely. Yep, yep. Mm. And
2: even the design of the ohm with the
0: segmentation, mm. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big time. I was wondering how they did that segmentation. It kind of looks mm. like they physically had parts, and they were just shifting them in and out, which for a lower-budget anime would... Yeah, it's probably what they did, which is totally fine. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, you would you would just shift them and then take a shot of that. Stop frame, motion that shit. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Two hundred and sixty three colors were used in the movie as well. That was the other, which is not that
2: many
0: when you think yeah
1: about it. yeah um yeah it sounds like a lot on paper, but then I guess yeah you compare that to um, you know other animated films and they'd be up in the thousands, I would assume. Mm. Um, yeah, which yeah,
2: very interesting. And on the on the color note, actually, mm. it doesn't. It looks like
0: Nausicaa is not wearing yes. pants
2: yes. for of the film. She actually is. They're just yes. skin colored. Like
1: it, it got me so many times. <laughs> you
0: you understand it like an hour and a half in, where the other girl takes her dress off, and you're like, oh, she's wearing skin colored pants. I guess Nausicaa is doing that as well. I just have a note, yeah, uh, about halfway down, which just says, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh, other bit of trivia I had was on uh, video games. There were some um, three video games were released based on the manga and the film. Oh. All three of the titles were developed by Technopolis Soft and published by Technopolis Soft. One of them was called Nausicaa in the Nick of Time, which was also known as Nausicaa's <laughs> Close Call. Um, and it was a Japanese shoot-em-up video game. Um, developed for the NEC PC-6001 computer system in 1984. Uh, the game marketed as Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and known by its title screen as no Nausicaa. Yeah, they were like, you know, adventure games, shoot-'em-up games, all that. But they were absolute dog shit, allegedly. The, the video games themselves were just the worst and the third game, which was called Wazore Gino Nausicaa Game, Nausicaa's Forgotten Game, uh-huh. is, I think that's what that translates to, for the MSX is the most well-known of the releases and has been frequently and erroneously referred to as a game where the player kills the ohm, which goes completely against everything that happens in the film. <laughs> Nothing like some consistency. So these games signalled the end of video game adaptations for Hayao Miyazaki's films because he was just so... <sighs> completely fucking pissed off at how people had adapted uh yeah Nausicaa for, for video games yeah so that's why there aren't any other Miyazaki video games
2: makes sense I just want to appreciate the irony that the game is called the forgotten game and it's the most well known one yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they were like ah oh, we're let this one slip through the keeper you know if we call it the forgotten game maybe no one will look at it um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's all the trivia I had. Very interesting.
0: I've looked it up in in the interim. Uh, Mm -hmm. The anime I mentioned previously is called Mezzo Forte. There is a censored version of it that cuts out the frankly unnecessary hentai scenes, Mm. which honestly wouldn't have taken much work. I probably could have done it myself because she (laughs) she falls asleep, has a dream hentai sex scene, and then the episode ends. It's like, well, just hard cut. When she falls asleep yeah. and it's fine. Mm. <laughs> it 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 it's oh it's a delight. The animation is so good. It was clearly mm. like a passion project from some animation artists. So I can recommend mm. that. Just keep in mind you might get the version that has the boobies in it. So know, just keep an eye <laughs> on that. When she God falls forbid.
1: asleep, press
0: pause. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um well, uh hey, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when can people listen to the Two Five O podcast?
0: When can they listen? Uh, when? Do, when?
1: Yes. Well, when. they can
0: listen whenever they want. In fact, they're listening right now.
1: If they're listening right now,
0: who's? <laughs> no, I'm not doing this bit. <laughs> no, uh, we we put episodes out every week, um, Tuesday midnight, uh, Australian eastern standard time which comes out to mornings if you're in europe and afternoons if you're in uh the united states on a monday uh every week we've never taken a break how do we do it how do they do it they're so consistent. how do we manage if you want to contact us directly you can uh email us at mail at 250 pod dot com let me check that out. Really?
1: I... No, it's 250.com.
0: It's just 250.com. Mail com. at 250.com. Mail at, yeah, t- yeah. Mail at 250.com. Uh, you're going to have to delete that angry email you started writing and change the address. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, Instagram 250pod, T W O F I V E O H P O D. Put out little snippets every week um, and you know tell, tell you what films are coming up if you want to check that out. We can listen to us, Douglas.
1: You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Pod- Deezer, Podcast Addict, Pocket Casts, Google Home, Amazon Echo, and Amazon Music. Very recently, uh, oh, we on there. I actually, I checked the, I checked the numbers. People are listening to us on Amazon Music. So there. You go because I sure. haven't listened to my I haven't listened if to on Amazon Music. If you're into so.
0: that then okay.
1: <laughs> go for your life if that's one if that's where you want to get your podcasts. I mean, yeah, wherever we're good podcasts are sold. Um Jonathan and I both per- have a Letterboxd. Jonathan, would you like to tell the good listeners what Letterboxd is?
0: Oh, it's time for the Letterboxd ad time. <laughs> no, um uh, Letterboxd is a movie tracking uh, website that we'd like to use. You can check out films, uh, write lists, write reviews, which is what we do. I still haven't done my latest reviews. You're welcome. But if you want to check it out anyway, uh, my account is UPA, That is U U U P A H and Douglas. Mine is I E N
1: Z O K N I G H T. That's Enzo Knight. Uh, Alex, do you have a? Do you have letterbox? No. Maybe, well- we get <laughs> Maybe I should get Letterboxd, Alex. Maybe I should it's very good I I genuinely we keep on joking that you know like it feels like a sponsor because we sing them to like we sing their praises to the fucking high heavens
0: but they genuinely are very good if we keep doing this then eventually they will sponsor us they will notice us (laughs) yeah yeah. please please Um, notice us good someone good movie website
1: Yeah, Jonathan here writes haikus whenever he bloody well feels like it. I write more condensed uh, reviews of what we talk about here on the 250 as well as the, anything else that I forgot to mention. I most recently put up uh, reviews for the original Italian job um, as well as uh, Armando Iannucci's
0: In The Loop. How do you rate the Italian job, Douglas?
1: The Italian job is very dopey but it's very good. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's a very cozy film. And the, what they actually fucking managed to get away with, with their stunts for the time that it was made is fucking superb. And Michael Caine is surprisingly suave. That's my hot take on the Italian job.
2: <laughs> Even though I, yeah, I love the Italian job. All my association method these days is uh, Carl. No, uh, Steve Coogan. And what's yeah. his name? Doing the impression Rob of Brydon. Michael Caine in the trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're only supposed
1: to blow the bloody doors off. Which I, again, that was most of the reason I watched the film because I knew that was when Michael Caine did that and I had no real context for when that actually happens. So when it happened... It, it wasn't, it didn't have the Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, like, you know, gravitas that they give it in the trip. It's just, it's very straightly delivered as Michael Caine would just deliver that line. So when it happened, I was just kind of like, it It took me a second. I was like, oh, oh, that was it. It just went. like It's like the car like drove past me and I was like, oh, well, okay, fine. Um, well, uh, if you'd like us to, uh, please send mail for, um, if you can recommend any Eastern animated films from the eighties through to the nineties, um, Mm, I'd be very much interested to hear about them. Yes. I'd be Um, very interested as well. Uh, preferably. Yeah. Ones that aren't quite as well known. I I love going in for some real fucking experimental shit. Um, Jonathan here listens to very experimental music. Um, it's like the third I time you brought kicks, this up
0: in a podcast.
1: I get my kicks out of watching experimental films. So, I like experimental um, films. Yeah, alright. fucking <laughs> ride my coattails, why don't you? Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, um, closing remarks, gentlemen?
2: Alex, do you have anything to plug? Uh... Mm no not really uh, <laughs> okay cool do you have any closing remarks
1: uh, do you have a do you have a OnlyFans account is there a is there a place where we can please, please tip my OnlyFans to... fans,
2: uh, gotcha uh, so I can retire very early <laughs> no uh, I you know this this was one of my favourite Ghibli uh, my favourite Ghibli film um, I think on rewatch probably not my favourite Ghibli film anymore but still up there um, but mm. yeah yeah I had a blast thanks for having me on the podcast Oh, oh you
1: Pleasure, Alex yeah. um, I'm sure Lovely, we'll yeah, have yeah. you
0: back, back again soon Probably for the next Ghibli film
1: Yeah, probably <laughs> Fuck, when's the, when's the next one? I don't even oh, know what the next uh. one is Probably a while <laughs> Probably a while um, by, uh, if any, I'm just uh, having a quick little glance over now um, I've colour-coded everything The next one is My Neighbor Totoro Which is 134 Whoa, sorry, So I'll see you in two years
0: yeah Yeah. yep sounds Easy. good peace out <laughs> no worries we'll, see you then. we'll catch up then
2: see <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it i won't talk at all in between <laughs> i believe jonathan jonathan asked if i wanted to come on alien a while back which is also one of my favorite films of all time so if if yeah, you feel I, like I mean, that's having me on then
0: there we are 100% well i reckon alien so that's probably like even alien higher it is
2: even further <laughs> up there
0: it is yeah. it's 53 yeah jesus so anyway yeah well look if there's anything in the interim that you want to hop on for and you think that you would uh, have interesting interesting conversation. I will. I'll let you know. Because we sure as fuck don't. <laughs> yeah. We we have pretty
1: milk toast opinions here on the two five o Well thank you for tuning into the Milk Toast podcast, and as always, we will see you again uh, real soon.
0: Yeah. I think I feel like Lapitel was better. Fuck off, Alex. Huh? huh? I feel like I feel like these should be swapped. I feel like Lapitel was better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Lapitel was better.
0: I don't agree. Wow. Well,
1: fucking way to start a debate at the end of the podcast. All
0: right. Bye, everyone. You're not coming back. Bye. Love you, Douglas.
2: (laughs) Bye. Bye, everyone.